0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom show. today, we're going to talk about a common issue. I work with a lot of successful people, and they tell me that they're successful at everything except for interpersonal relationships, particularly the intimate relationship with their spouse. So they could have friends and colleagues that things you know go well with, but in romantic relationships and possibly also relationships with their kids. Things tend to go poorly, and um, this is pretty uh, common for adult children of dysfunctional families, and I will discuss how, how, why, etc. right after I tell you to subscribe. My most recent subscribe, oh, who cares, the one coming up is about being aromantic, which is not asexual, but is uh, that same thing for the romance sphere, and I will discuss what aromantic is and why it explains some of the difficulties you may have had in your relationship for, for the people that it applies to. Um, obviously, that means when you don't experience romantic attraction as asexuals, when you don't experience sexual attraction. So, um, you know, but it's, it's a recent term. So I want to, it's not a recent thing, but it's a recent term. And so I'm going to discuss that. So now moving on to the successful at everything but relationships. So there are a lot of people that are super, super smart and successful and motivated, and all of these things do really well for them at work. And the higher up the ladder they climb, they get to a place where they have increased autonomy, and they can kind of do what they want. Of course, they work very hard, but they work very hard within you know, their own milieu that they have created. So particularly more CEO, entrepreneurial types um, or corporate types that get to really the head of where there's, you know, at the top of a lot of different people. They have a lot of people under them. They can really do a lot of what they want and they can really set the frame. Now, I talk about this in my CEO podcast. You should go back to that if that if this resonates with you. If you are a CEO, I have other ones about lawyers and doctors, and these are all very successful people. Um, the more that you can set your own frame, your own schedule, your own meetings, your own travel, your own ideas, you know, uh, shape how the direction of whatever happens to you at work, the more autonomy you have. Um, this can be very, very... Good for people who are adult children of dysfunctional families because they never really had a lot of autonomy at home. And now because the parents were, let's say, depressed or drinking or, or um, you know, uh, difficult in some way, narcissistic, borderline, whatever – And so adult children of dysfunctional families, the more autonomy they get later on, the better it goes, because in some ways this can compensate for having always felt that your parents, your dysfunctional parents were calling the shots. And when you get out of there, then, of course, you know, a a boss calls the shots or, you know, whatever. And eventually, though, you get to a place where you call the shots. And then, if you're a very smart person, you can succeed almost limitlessly, right? Because you can do everything you want to do. Now, in which areas does this not work? Well, you might think that it doesn't work with any people then, because you can never exactly call the shots with other people, but you can't pick who your friends are, and your friends don't really change that much. So a lot of people that need a lot of autonomy, they have fairly, you know, flexible friends, they can call the shots, they say where they're going to eat, they say when they're going to meet up, and then that's what happens – or they just see these people at kind of certain times, certain frameworks, like, oh, we meet up to uh, run together, we're in a running group, or, you know, we do happy hour, you know, like once a month or so. And so it's a very, you know, a time restrained kind of very specific thing. And sure, you could you could do that, or you could even let the person pick where you're going to meet or when you're going to run or whatever, because it's very, very um, limited. You know, the amount that you have to be flexible is very limited, but within a marriage, it's not. The other person picks it like half of what you do. So there are two ways that these sorts of people that really require a lot of autonomy deal with this. The first way is they may pick somebody very deferential, um, and that's usually somebody with pretty low self-esteem. And so that person goes along with everything that they want them to do at first. But then I frequently see these people in couples counseling after... The lower self-esteem deferential spouse of the autonomous, successful person no longer wants to go along with everything that they want anymore. They're sick of that role. They have developed more confidence or they've just had children and they feel like their decisions are important and should be taken into account and their preferences, etc., The other possibility is that these sort of people just uh, marry somebody similar to themselves, who is also very successful and hard-headed, but they're in the honeymoon stage when they meet, so everything seems fun and exciting. They're two very, you know, intense, interesting people, and they're both successful, and they're in the honeymoon stage, so they're basically drunk on new love. And then the honeymoon stage fades and it turns into a constant battleground uh, where the people are very competitive with one another and all of their individual issues from childhood come out and the marriage is the playground for those issues. And uh, they are constantly trying to assert dominance over the other because they feel that they are on some level subconsciously, they are trapped back at home where they had zero ability to make any sort of decisions or to get their needs met. So one specific way that I see this manifest is- is when a guy feels like he can't have sex with his wife anywhere near the amount that he wants to. And he feels restrained and he feels constricted and he feels that he can do everything he wants everywhere else and he cannot get his sexual needs met at home. And so then he will come in and he will say, she is the only person that I have a problem with. Everybody else uh, thinks I'm fine or gets along with me, all right. And she tells me that I don't and that's why we're not having sex. And so this person's. very... Very very frustrated. They feel that they cannot win. They feel it's it is not them and it is their partner because their partner is the one who has problems with them. Everybody else uh, defers to them at work, etc. Thinks that they're so smart, thinks that they're a genius. Um, but yet this they cannot get their needs met because they are not nice enough or or responsive enough or romantic enough or whatever it is that the wife wants. Another way that this manifests is when the wife. I'll just do uh, the wife, but it could be the husband, too. It could be So I'll do the woman so that I don't get any sub- email about the gender, whatever. Um, <laughs> so a uh, hard-charging woman, you know, and the type that I talk about with the lean-in wife and the uh, underachieving husband. I have a post like that. So she's very successful, gets along with everybody at work. Everybody puts her on a pedestal. What a, you know, successful woman. So smart. So on top of her game. And then at home, you know, this is the only person that she doesn't get along with is him. Well, it's frequently because she's really, really condescending to him. You know, she got a guy who would go along with everything she wanted to do. But then she's, he. you know, she's very, very condescending and about, honestly, his competence or his intelligence or anything. So it was two sides of the same coin, right? She wanted somebody that would defer to her, but then she doesn't necessarily want the guy who defers to her. And so just so you can see, this is not a gender issue. It happens a lot with men as well. They want a woman who defers to them, but then they become bored and disinterested and condescending toward this woman because she never has any opinions or ideas or anything, not really taking into account that they would be kind of terrible with any ideas, and in fact, she has sometimes had some ideas, as the guy has in the previous example, these are really just the same example, Um, the the condescended to partner usually has had some ideas, but they get shot down so quickly, that the, um, you know, the successful person doesn't even really remember that they were spoken, because, you know, they have a million reasons why nothing that isn't their way would, would be good, right? So, or would be bad, rather. So, there are many reasons that people can be very, very successful with others, but then very bad in their marriage. And they tend to blame this on the other person being obstructive, putting up lots of hoops that they have to jump through, and or just being boring slash stupid, although they're usually too smart to say boring or stupid. Instead, they say things like passive or doesn't really know what she wants or something like that, not realizing that this is really the only kind of person with whom they ever would have been compatible at the early stages of of their, you know, career and just who they are as a person was not going to be somebody that is drawn to an equal player. You know, they wanted somebody who would let them win or in the other case, very quickly things became contentious because they married based on this super high level of passion and attraction to a similar person, but then they were unable to make things work because they are too similar and neither one of them learns to compromise. So how do these couples usually work out in couples counseling? What usually happens is that the very successful person starts to... Stops blaming everything on the spouse. Sure, like the spouse has their own problems, etc. But usually that person can't. So it hasn't been even. So the very successful person can always be like, I get along with everybody and I'm super successful in every single domain and I'm highly competent and I got this award, by the way, and I'm on these boards and I do this and I do that and the other. And if you're thinking, is this person narcissistic? Sometimes they do have those traits, All of them, some of them, whatever, you know, and it has usually been a false self that they erected. This persona protected them as a child when they were disappointed consistently by a caregiver. So they basically became their own superhero that they could always count on themselves to be successful and to do the right thing and to impress other people. So, yes, sometimes this person does have narcissistic traits. And who are they drawn to? Narcissists are frequently b- drawn to people with borderline personality, as I've talked to uh, talked about before. The podcast, just search the term narcissist on Spotify, and you'll see it. Uh, the the narcissist borderline dynamic, you know, d- narcissist on Doctor Psych Mom. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff on narcissists that's on Spotify. But um, the the point being that sometimes it's people with borderline personality traits. Sometimes it's like very, very codependent and secure people, you know, and those often people have borderline traits. And sometimes, as with my first example, it's just fellow people with narcissistic traits. And then that becomes a super huge power struggle. So in couples counseling, these people learn to stop blaming every single thing thing on their spouse. And to say, you know what, just because I'm successful at work does not mean that I'm somehow a better human being. The ways that I like to operate, i.e. with fairly full autonomy, despite being in a stressful occupation or having a lot on my plate, those things do not work for two people empathizing with one another and working together. In fact, there is nobody that I need to rely on to meet my basic needs at all except for my spouse. So in that regard, of course, I only have problems with my spouse because when my spouse doesn't meet my needs and isn't perfect in giving me sex or giving me adoration or whatever, then they are re-traumatizing me in the ways because my needs were, were, my needs were not fully met as a child. So my spouse is really the only one who can re-traumatize me. And that's why the spouse is also the only one who can reparent you. And I discuss that in posts and podcasts as well. So working with these couples can be fulfilling because they do learn. Obviously, this person's a very successful person. So frequently, they can learn very quickly. You know, CEO types love to be coached. This is like their favorite thing. I've said this before. They love feedback, especially if they feel that the feedback is on target. So they can learn that they have been blaming too much on their spouse and that their spouse's personality cannot even logically be the entire issue of why things are going wrong in the relationship. And that the skill set required to be successful at work and the skill set required to be successful in a relationship such as compromise, flexibility and empathy are not anywhere the same. You know, being a hard charger at home is terrible. Nobody wants to be married to that person, but you could be very successful with a hard charging personality style in the workplace. So anyway, I hope that you guys um found this little little um podcast to be interesting the the point of the matter is that there is nobody no marriage is just no marital problems are just due to one person being somehow bad, stupid, wrong, boring, passive, whatever, or an asshole. So on the other hand, by the way, the person, the other person, the spouse of the high-achieving person, they have been saying, "My God, it's impossible to live with this person. Nobody could live with this person. They are the problem." They're not the problem either. So two people in this dynamic often a very dramatic and volatile dynamic, two people need to learn to take ownership of their own issues, their own codependencies, the reasons that they picked one another and how they could make their relationship work, utilizing skills that have previously allowed them to be successful in other interpersonal relationships, but that they just do not think to mobilize or are too triggered or dysregulated to mobilize in the conflict, in in the marriage itself. All right, well, if this spoke to you, then it's something to introspect deeply about and possibly could be your reason to get into couples counseling if you are in a dynamic like this. And I hope you guys all have a great day. You should all join my Facebook group, the blue subscribe button on the Dr. Psych Mom Facebook page if you want to have more interaction with me, only $4.99 a month, and I'll talk to you all soon uh, you did subscribe. So thanks for subscribing. Oh no, no, no. This isn't a subscriber. So stupid. The next one is a subscriber, the aromantic one, and you're going to really like it. So you should subscribe right now and I'll talk to everybody soon. Have a great day.